Okay. Okay, so, well. Lim Wei Ling. Yes, um, strong. Known you for the longest time. Don't say that. But anyway, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Few years, friends, few years. Old friends. Mm. And, um, but I don't know anything about you other than the fact that you run your gallery, uh, Wailing Gallery by your, your name. And you've been around, around a long time. And the more I thought about it, right? The more I thought it's, it's an interesting story. Because you're in business. You, you obviously um, are a woman. So a female entrepreneur. But a female entrepreneur who doesn't do the typical stuff doesn't start a garment factory, doesn't start a cafe, doesn't go into you know, healthcare or medical services. You start an art gallery, right? So that's interesting. So, so let's start at the start. Mm. What you studied in school and how okay. then later on you fell into this, into this whole realm. Okay, so I think, well, I mean, well, thank you for having me, first of all, Chuang, and um, as a female entrepreneur on your show. Um, no, I mean, look, I think in anything that one does, okay, I mean, I don't think you can give about gender, right? I mean, but, you know, the, 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 the businesses that you Correct. choose. It's, not, it's not about the gender. Yeah, it's, it's not about, about the, the thing Or the do. business that you choose to go into. I mean, right. I think that's sort of, where. how do you start with that? I mean, how does an entrepreneur decide or, or a business person decide on what to take on, right? I yep. mean, it just depends on what interests you, right? And right. I suppose in this instance, I mean, for me, it was very much... Um, driven by um, where my life led me. Like I was, you know, when I, when I went to, when I studied, when I went to do art, I studied history of art and I specialized in jewelry design and silversmithing, right? Naturally, I thought, okay, when I come out of this, I'm going to be a jewelry designer for the rest of my life. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, when you're that very sort of naive, 18, 19, 20. So where where age. did you study? Australia. In Australia. Australia okay. Yeah. So it was just sort of like, okay, I'm going to come out of this and I'm going to be a jewelry designer and like going to change the world with contemporary jewelry, right? But I think what I didn't realize was in the bigger scheme of things, um, I mean, of course, when I look back now, I realized, okay, there was a plan. I didn't know about it at the time, but there was a plan. And so in going into an art school, what it really taught me was it taught me that. Artists are chosen. That you don't choose to be an artist, like you oh, know, as a creator. You kind of fall into it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you fall into. It. You're either born with it, or you you're given. It's God given, in the okay. sense that you are chosen. Okay. You don't choose. I see. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, we can go into that later. Yeah. Well. But yeah, basically, okay, okay. what it is is when I went into the art school. Everything was about you have to come up with your own language. You have to be your own person. There are no answers for you out there. You have to answer the questions that are posed. Like if there's a, there's a stumbling block in your creation, no one can give you the answers except yourself. And you always have to stay true to that. Okay, so for example, um, um, when I was at art school, there were a lot of like you know, art students who are like three years ahead of me and things like that. And I used to see a lot of them sort of working at the bar or clearing rubbish at the youth student union or doing whatever. And I'm like, you know, I know you're earning part-time money, you're working part-time because you have to or want to. But what happened was a lot of them were working these jobs to fund their art practice. So they were not necessarily selling their artworks to make money but they were getting direct fulfillment from the making of their artwork. So they, even whether they sold it or they didn't sell it, they, they had got the, the fulfillment from it already. It was a direct fulfillment. Whereas a lot of other people, what ends up happening is you work a job that you probably hate, you get the money, you go on a great holiday, you have a great time, you come back to the job and go, uh, I'm back to the grind, you yeah, know? So yeah. for artists- So that's 95% of people in this world. That's what I'm saying. So for, but for artists, it's because it's a God-given talent and it's like something that they're born into. They will keep doing or making the work that they make regardless of whether they succeeded in the, com in the commercial sense, like whether they sell works so or it doesn't matter because their direct fulfillment is in the creation and the making of their work and the pushing of their creativity. Mm. If you, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, it sounds I a bit it. abstract, <clears throat> but it's it's that sort of thing. So they'll wake up in the morning and it's like, I just want to make something amazing, and I'm going to keep doing it. And one day, it's gonna, I'm going to succeed at it because I'm just going to keep going at it, regardless of whether I make it, or I don't make it in the next thirty-five years. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're a business person, 
hey, you know, there's a cutoff date, right? Within two, two or three years, you're not making the money. Let's cut, move Come on. Move to the next That's business. That's right. But for <coughs> artists, it doesn't work like so that. So do you see yourself as an artist? Because right now, you, you... Yeah, I think in some ways... You are a vendor, you are a purveyor of art now, but yeah. you're not directly creating No, anymore. I'm not directly creating, yes. Um, but what I will say is that I think in my pursuit of running the gallery, um, the... the um, my fulfillment or my creativity comes in pushing the boundaries of the gallery. Okay, spotting so, talent, promoting talent. Well, and, and also just challenge, getting challenged by, by what I'm doing. Okay. They say not being your comfort zone. Like sort of like once something gets easy, you move on. You don't sort of stick in that. Like what's the next thing? Where do we go with this? You know, like, I mean, I suppose in business it's like that too, right? Yeah, so, so, so yeah. Artists so styles, are like that. Right? Like, artists are like this too. Okay. So if an artist is, is, is working and they're making... A, pro- a piece or they're working on a project and they've done with that project okay let's say and I show it and it's done really well and collectors have come in and they've collected the work and so on and so forth the last thing that we would be saying to them is or they would be thinking of is so should I make another five of those because those have done really well no is the answer I I mean, we would say hey take some time out now you guys should also be thinking about where you want to go because once you've hit that plateau, once you've hit a level where you're sort of comfortable, you have to sort of think, where am I going with this? Correct. So constantly evolve. Constantly you want, evolve. Because exactly. the whole rule behind value is scarcity, right? Well, the less of something, yeah. the higher the price. But let's rewind back to um, upon your graduation from the history of art course, right? Yeah. And then you became a, a, a jewelry maker, designer, right? Well, I think a, at a, that point... I won't say which year. (laughs) (laughs) It was just sort of a natural progression that you sort of went into what you'd studied, right? What you sort of graduated in. And in in, in that time, I thought, okay, I'm a jewelry designer. I studied jewelry and silversmithing. I kind of know how to make jewelry. You know, I'm I'm the aesthetics of things. Why don't I come back to Malaysia and KL and join a jewelry house? So which one did you join? To design, well, I don't want to say that, you know. I mean, I joined a jewelry house. And um, and it was, I mean, look, for me, going in there, I was wide-eyed and really never sort of, you know, not exposed to working in Malaysia. And I think at that point in time, it was a huge, it was an eye-opener. It, I just sort of thought, oh my gosh, so this is the real world. It's all about dollars and cents. It's not about creativity. It's not about me coming up with my new idea that no one has ever done before and making a new design that that I've sort of conjured out of my history and my heritage and my culture. Forget it. Please look at what is selling. Please look at the latest magazines of gold and diamonds and, you know, who Princess Diana is wearing now, all of that. And do a variation in it, you know, because that's what people like today. It's trendy, it's, it's stylish for now. And forget about drawing freehand. Please use a template. So this is, I went from being artist, create your own, your new language, your own language, like no one has ever spoken before, and your own design language to... Please use a template. Jaded designer in a matter of months. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I mean, you're running a, you're running a business. Yeah. You're running a factory. Yeah. You've got to pay salaries yeah. and things. I mean, things which I didn't even think about as a jewelry designer. So yeah. it was a real, like an awakening. When you decided to do, do history of art, what did your parents tell you? Did they say, wow, okay, this is an indulgence that my daughter wants to get into. Uh, the career path is not absolutely clear, but because she wants to do it and she's passionate about it, we'll let her do it. Was that the line of thinking then? No, well, I mean, look, I've been very, very lucky because I grew up in a family which was, is very art-orientated. My yeah, father's an architect, my mother's a violinist. You know, I mean, we've always, we've sort of been brought up with art. I mean, and it's always been a part of our lives, right? I mean, in various forms. So when I was went into jewelry design, my parents would sort of go for it, all for it, and excited. And um, I didn't even really think about what I was going to do after. I mean, it was just sort of like, let's go and do yeah. what you, is good for you now and see where it takes you. So there was no sort of like... Let the, let the universe show itself. Well, in a way, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, at that time, I suppose, yeah, my, I mean, people at university looked at me and said, 
as you said, like your parents let you do this. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, what's wrong with that? Like, you know, like completely in this, maybe, yeah, maybe sort of um, unaware of sort of yeah. what the reality of, of life might have been. I mean, I was lucky. I mean, yes. In but the universe shows itself. And, then, you know, I, I don't know how much to what extent you believe in fate and karma, but there's a school of thought which suggests that whatever you choose to do in life, whatever path you choose to take voluntarily of your own volition mm. that you're at least conscious of, it doesn't matter because there's a path that will show its way and it's predetermined. I don't know whether you believe in no, that. No, completely. I completely um, believe in that. Um, absolutely. I absolutely believe yeah. in that. Um, because, okay, but just backtracking a little bit, going back to what um, my parents were thinking, yeah. so it was really funny because yeah. after becoming, uh, after being a jewellery designer for one and a half years I begged my father to let me resign to <laughs> do something else with my life and he's like oh okay I you didn't know, seed capital you, for a business no 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 he was just no he just no, he didn't I, so, I, said, so, I begged him to let me resign because he says no you have to stick at it for two years or whatever and okay, finally okay. I said, I said cause, which is a good thing I yeah. understand now yeah. and I I you know I trudged my way through it and I I, I <laughs> sort of like did, did my time and then when I came out I went and stopped working Stop broking! Oh my! I was oh yeah, I, I went remember, I went to stop broking for quite a number of years. Well, right? That's right. But I, that we can oh go into that. God. But yeah, so I went from jewelry design like <laughs> oh, art, you know, man, boom into right. the stock market, like thrown into the deep end at Zalik Gold, why Zalik you, Securities. Why, why did you do that? No, I, no, I, I went into it because by, voluntarily. Because okay. there's no money there, or no? Because okay, because <laughs> I used to drive down to Alan Raja Chulan and think, I wonder what it's like to work in building like a corporate office <laughs> like, you know I studied art like I wonder what it would be like to live, work in there the grass is always greener because the bankers and the securities guys are looking out to the other side the, to the <laughs> yeah, to, what to the artsy parties doing, ah, yeah, yeah. and wouldn't it be nice to work in those leafy <laughs> surroundings you know well, like, exactly so anyway so when I went to Broking okay I was in Broking for about a good 7-8 years okay? I remember yeah so my dad people would see my dad and they'd say to him hey Jimmy what's your daughter doing these days and he'd be like she's a jewelry designer I'm like, Dad, I'm a stockbroker now. Remember? <laughs> no lah, that's not your thing. You're a designer, you're a creative sort. He would never he never really accepted how, how? the fact that I was in the financial world because he always saw me as being an artist and being someone creative. So he just blocked off that part <laughs> and said she's a jewelry designer. How did you square that mentally? Because you've always been an arty <laughs> person, right? And then you went into the security world, which is which is completely yin and yang. So how did you live with yourself for that seven to eight years in terms you know, of your creative output? Well, okay, there is so, no creative okay, so output. So I didn't, yeah, exactly. Well, you could make things creative in your own way. But anyway, <laughs> in, <laughs> um, no, but basically the stockbroking, stockbroking yeah. was like the university of life for me. Yes, yes, because that's, that's human nature right up close and personal. Yeah, I mean, it is, yeah, you just see the ugliness of life. Yeah. You know, it just Green. presents itself Green, toward, yeah. to you right there and you just sort of like look at it and go, oh my gosh, wow. And it was incredible because I was out of my comfort zone. I knew nothing. I didn't even know like, I mean, I didn't know how to stop, how, what's a buy to sell. I didn't know anything. I mean, it was like Greek but to me. You were peddling stocks, right? I was you're, selling, you're selling shares. Stocks. So I had to go and do Ideas, the, right? I did the exams. I had to go and do, I mean, I had to learn everything from scratch. Yeah. I did nothing. I knew nothing. Okay, Chuang. So it was incredible because, okay, fine. You, I learned about the financials. I learned about how the stock market worked and how everything is affected, how the whole world affects, how politics, how everything affects the stock market. It's so sort of, yeah. it's so sensitive yeah. to everything, yeah. right? But more than that, more than that, I think the stock market experience for me um, really taught me about um, the reali realities of um, relationships. That relationships that you think okay say for example you've grown up with someone when since you were like you've grown up with them since you were a child yeah. and um they you trust them because you've grown up with them right and then when they come to you and they say hey i want to stop trade in the stock market can i open an account with you and you're like sure i've known you since i was five come and open an account trade trade as much as you want i won't, don't need collateral it's fine whatever Right? I mean, in those days. Oh, and then stuff 
you know, yeah. things what as year, you know. What year was that? That was mid 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 mid. When was it? Uh, mid two thousand, mid early two thousands, mid two thousands. Okay, so that was the dot com crash, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, during that period, right? So people you think you can trust, you don't Cunt. take collateral from, yeah. and the people you don't know, you ask for collateral from, yeah. right? Because you're like, hey, you know what? You want to trade? You better put me put some collateral down. You can trade how many yeah. times now, right? Yeah. And I learned the hard way because, yeah. you know, when you trust, I mean, trust is completely overrated in that sense, right? When it comes to money, when it comes to the stock market, I mean. Yeah. So I think that that experience really sort of taught me how to deal with people and, and, and how to, to look at, change the world. I mean, my yeah. world was very rose tinted, okay? So you, and you, I you, just changed the way I saw people and, and um, the way I dealt with people, which is a good thing because you got to grow up at some point, right? Yes. Yes. I wasn't living in my <laughs> yeah, own you, you little arty-farty yeah. arty little world. I mean, and if I had not sort of had that experience and I sort of come back straight fresh out of green, out of art school, jewelry designer, and when I set up a gallery then, Finish. it'd be finished. In, finished. Fin finished. Yeah, yeah. Really finished. You'd so, have been taken to the cleaners. Yeah, completely. It would have been a disaster. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so the stockbroking experience as difficult as it was and as you know as did you make money I mean we, of course you make a little bit of money I think yeah. for the market of course um, but it just more than anything it really sort of opened my eyes to to human nature people. and what money yeah. does to people and how businesses I mean everything and how the market makes you it can make you a different person oh completely the greed completely. And, the, and the fear yeah, the and the fear. avarice and yeah everything I mean there's so much that there's stop this broking industry teaches you um, people that you thought you knew you don't really know yeah, not and there's facets you've never come across oh completely yeah. I mean it, it is it's wonderful but it's it's, it's it was um, it was how would I say it it was um, yeah it was it was really challenging yeah. and um yeah, as you know. As you do. Yeah, as you do. <laughs> so then you got out. You got out after... Yeah, well, I got out because obviously the market was markets were going through all sorts of ups and downs and hell You got the out time. just before the um, the latest crash. You got out before the subprime out. crisis. Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and yeah. I was... Actually, I was, I was in a broking house. I was a remiser at that point. Yeah. And um, I was in a broking house which went, okay, now what is it again? Uh, PN14, uh, was it? PN17? Was it, was it, PN17, PN yeah. where Bankruptcy. it was bankrupt. Yeah. And I was probably the second last person to get my deposit out. Shit. Yes. Yeah, so it was very it scary. I got it just in the nick of time. Yeah. Um, because I was advised well. Yeah. Phew. Thank God. Yeah. And so I got my money out. And then I thought maybe, yeah, maybe this is. Maybe I should relook this. Maybe I've learned. Maybe I've learned enough. I mean, after this close shave, maybe I've yeah. learned enough out of this. I've gotten enough out of it. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, so I sort of encouraged my my husband. Of course, he said, yeah. "I think you better look at doing something else." Perhaps. So, so at what point in time did you think that remiserance or broking was no longer what you want? What you it was uh, early to I think early yeah mid two thousands. Yeah. Yeah, early two thousand because I set up the gallery in two thousand and <coughs> what year? 2002 actually so yeah actually I got out 2000-ish 2001-ish yeah. thereabouts I think you just had enough of the broken world and enough yeah I think I, I'd gotten enough out of it yeah. I think I'd learned all, enough lessons yeah. and um, it wasn't really what I could saw, I saw myself do I could see myself doing for the next however many years so, and yeah. it wasn't challenging anymore it wasn't exciting anymore. I wasn't getting up and going, okay, another day at the market. Let's so kill it, It was right? just, yeah. yeah, just it's just, it's done. Yeah. Right? And sometimes you need that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I took a year out. I took a year out to just sort of rediscover, okay, what is it? Where do I want to go with this? You know, and it was a turning point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was painting. I took one year out. Nice. Thanks to Johan, yeah. my husband. Nice. Who was so very who supportive. Who funded your existence, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> And we thought, and I just sort of painted, and then I had all these paintings. Yeah. Every morning, I get up and paint some things, yeah. and I had all these paintings. And then he says, So, as a voice of reason, he said, What are you going to do with all your paintings? Uh. I said, uh, I'm going to keep them, give them to friends for their birthday. I don't know. I mean, he said, so. No, you better do a show, do an exhibition. I said, Forget it. I'm not going to do an exhibition. No way. No way. I mean, that was not the reason I was making those paintings. I was making those paintings because 
it was a it was an outlet it was a form of expression I yeah. was enjoying it's a the release. process could have been a release from your stop working days maybe yeah and I was just enjoying the process of you know just getting up and just doing whatever it is I wanted without a care in the world without to worry about anything I mean I think that one year was probably the most idyllic and relaxing period of my life yeah because it's just not a care in the world did you travel and paint or did you no, stay local and paint KL and I was just doing my thing and very immersed very self-indulgent I think it was quite yeah, immersive yeah. and self-indulgent um, and then yeah of course then he, he was like so how what are you going to do now right I said mm, because I think the, the scariest thing yeah. for an artist is to show their work yes because you, you, you're afraid of the rejection yeah, potentially well, you're, you're, you're putting yourself out there right mm. I mean you're going to get you're, you're going to be gonna, judged yeah people are going to love it and they're going to hate it and they're going to say whatever the hell they want to say about it and you've got no control over that and so I thought hmm Okay, so that was that was kind of like the yeah. hindrance, and I think in that 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 process as well, that that process or that that thought process, prepared me for when I started working with artists because it, it you know I could commiserate, I could understand where they're coming from, like, yeah. yeah, to what they're doing, you know, like I know it's hard, it's it's so it's so difficult, right? Mm. And you have to be, I think, when an artist shows their work, I always say. The only person that you need to be answerable to at that point when you show it is yourself. Which means if anyone else throws eggs at it, anyone else likes it, doesn't matter. Because I have done the best that I can do till this point. Well, for the longest time, um, Van Gogh, I think, was... Uh, he didn't display his work. He was just... And I think a lot of people didn't even buy his stuff, right? For the longest time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right. of course. I mean, because there's that whole self-questioning, like self-doubt, yeah. like... And oh, he, was, you know, he was buggered, right? He, he had the he worst had, he existence. Had a, he had a brother who helped him, who was a stockbroker, really? by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, it's only after he died, then his his work started to go up in value. Well, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's always the case. Oh, when the artist dies, yeah. the world will go up. Right? Yeah. I mean, but in this day and age, that is, I mean, that yeah. it doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah, yeah. You've got, yeah, anyway, we, that's, that's a whole other area okay. we can discuss okay. later. Um, but no, I think it's important to note that for artists, for artists, you know, when I when I speak to them, it's about the honesty. That means I say, as long as the work you make is something that you feel is the best that you can do at this point in time, and yeah. no one else can answer that question. Like only you know. I mean, like when you've done a good piece of writing or you've done a good piece of work, everyone has this. Only you know. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> how well how well you've done and how, how much work you've put and how much effort you've put into that piece of work. So so, so to the untrained eye, to the untrained ear, mm. art galleries appear to be the most, uh, among the most risky businesses you can do because art in itself is so finicky, right? Art is subjective. What is art is the classic question. So if you want to start an art gallery in New York, it already is a risky proposition let alone start an art gallery in KL, where already the number of collectors is such a small number, even in those days, even today, even today, the of number course. of real serious of course, collectors who are transacting sure. are so few. Absolutely. So how does it, how does it work? <laughs> <laughs> We're jumping. La. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay, yeah. so, so, okay. You know, Chuang, really, this gallery business thing for me, I didn't even set it up as a gallery, as a, as as a, a business. Like, I didn't think... I'm going to set this up and make it a gallery. It wasn't. It was just Johan saying, what do you do with the paintings? Then we're like, don't know. And then I went and sort of, we approached a couple of galleries. He forced me, kind of like, you go with yeah. that. So, and then we did. And they're like, oh, you know, we can show it next year or we can show it whatever. And in the end, by stroke of luck, uh, a space, a little uh, a townhouse came up for rent quite near where we were living. Yeah. And so Johan said, well, look, let's rent that. And then... You can make it your studio, and then maybe you can show your works there, lah. Every yeah. now and then, you know. That, I mean, it was very casual. It wasn't sort of a situation where it was like you do an exhibition. It was very casual. I suppose it was a good way of dealing with me because I was like not yeah. keen on showing. So, so easing it in, right? Yeah. So yeah. we did. We rented that space, and that was a townhouse. And the first space was called the Townhouse Gallery. So my my first showing of paintings was there. Okay. How did it do? Well, Chuang. When you know what I think, I okay. I feel very lucky, and I feel 
blessed. But you know, all our friends and family came and supported. Supported lah. Yeah, yeah, like really sweet. They came in Sokong, you know, like yeah, yeah. came and bought my paintings and everything. It was really sweet. Yeah. I don't know if they really liked them. Really kind. But if they were good, they were, if they were good, they were stood in their own, <laughs> they right? They were really kind, and people came and supported, which I, which I was very touched by. Um, and then I had no paintings. Everything was whole. Like, you know, this whole... So what was the most expensive piece? No, like, I can't remember. Like, I was so cheap, like, those days. Maybe, I don't know, 4,000 ringgit or something. That's a lot of money. 4,000, no, like, for a huge piece. Huge, okay, huge, 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 huge. Huge, size matters, right? <laughs> so, but, yeah, so, after that, it was like, all the, they had this space. I had this space. Yeah. And um, all these artists started calling me, local artists, because I suppose at that time, there were not many galleries in town and they were looking for alternative spaces to show in and so on and so forth and so I said well I'm not really a gallery but I suppose you want to have a show you can come and hang some paintings here and we can see how it goes right so that was how it started basically interesting my first show was in my show was in April of 2002 and I only did another exhibition for some other another artist um, Anthony Chong who's actually quite an important artist um at the end of that year. So you were an, an accidental entrepreneur. You didn't think Not about- Not at all. I mean, look, Zhuang, if you had asked me to write a business plan, Forget <laughs> like it projections love. and how this is gonna be, how much you gonna put for this, how much you gonna pay for that, I would have been completely intimidated by it. I would have yeah. backed away and I just thought, oh, I don't think I can handle this. How yeah, am I gonna pay yeah. my rent? How am I gonna pay my electricity? How am I gonna pay my staff? I mean, you know, so this, this, yes, this journey, has really been sort of like huge learning curve, number one. And number two, literally putting one foot in front of the other and walking that path. Yeah. yeah. And that is what I've been doing for the last 17 years. <laughs> Brilliant. I love the story. Because some of the guys that I talk to, they are just, they are cutthroat textbook entrepreneurs who are like very black and white. Dollars and cents, and then I mean you're a breath, breath of fresh air, you know. For <laughs> just, just to have it. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I love it. I, um, you know. Yeah. So, but you you've carved quite a good name for yourself. Well, I mean, look, I think a a lot of this has been driven by, you know, also ephemeral and like all over the place, but belief. I believe in the people I work with. I believe the, the in the artists. That so you, you thought you spotted a good talent? No, not just that. But well, not just spotted. I mean, I wouldn't say like, oh, I spotted this talent. But when I when I work with someone, when I see their work, and you and I talk to them, I think it's it's an understanding where that person is coming from, right? Like understanding their journey. Why are they making art? Like, how have they become an artist? Is that a normal modus operandi of a gallery owner in terms of getting to know the whys and the wherefores of the artist? Because usually it's, it's driven by transactions, right? And appeal. It's, it's a little bit like the jewelry house you started working, mm, right? Mm-mm. Whatever sells, goes. Mm. Right? And if you're not selling, then sorry, I'm not talking to you. Okay. So it, it can, I mean, in my, in my untrained mind, it is as simple as that, right? If you're popular, you can sell, you can be hung. If not, don't talk to me. But you have come from the artist direction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is so why. So that's unusual. No, that, that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, from yeah, exactly. When when I te- when we started this conversation, and I told you about when I was at art school and I saw all these you, you artists, understood. I understood that a real artist, a chosen artist, an artist who's going to keep making their work, regardless of whether they sell or not, are the artists who are really honest and sincere and making art for the right reasons. They are yeah. not business people. They're okay. not just doing it for a quick sale and, hey, you know what, this one sold, let's make another three of these. Oh, this one sold, let's do another. You know, it's not, that is not how I see the industry. And yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah, perhaps you're right. Maybe other galleries work like that, you know, but, we come from a, the starting point where the artist comes first and their journey and where they want to take it comes first. If they have a sellout show for me with us, fantastic. But if the next show bombs, that does not mean you are out on the street. We're not, you know, we don't sort of- You don't cast them out. We don't yeah. cast them out. It is, we're following your journey. Nothing, no one's journey is perfect, okay? And if it's honest to, if you're honest to yourself, 
you go through ups and downs. And if an artist, if I truly believe in, in where an artist is coming from, like where they, you know, that I know that, that they are really sort of honest and sincere in what they're making, right? I mean, does that sound sort of, please yeah, yeah. feel free to jump in. No, no, this no, no, sounds no, no, a bit no, sort I, of like, what? Um, I will support them through thick and thin, meaning today so, you but do, the you do a great- to support your belief in them because if your business is not commercially viable, mm. then you can in turn support the scene. Absolutely, of course, of so, course. So the, the balancing act has to happen. Yeah, absolutely, there's always, always a balancing act, yeah. Chong. So how do you do it? Because I don't know your financials. I presume you're doing all right because you're the biggest commercial space in the country, country, right? But some of the big patronuses of this world. Institutional, right? yeah. yeah. So well, there must it, be something it's, going it's, right. It's a balance, Chuang. And I think, look, um, in the very beginning, when we first started, um, um, the artworks, the artists were making work. And I think a lot of, some of them, most of them, whenever they had a show, I mean, well, they would, we would, there would be collectors, new, new collectors, collectors that we reached out to coming in, collecting the work, whether even through sort of newspapers, sometimes the artwork would be featured in a newspaper and someone would come and buy it. I mean, it was like that, you know, in the day, in back in yeah, the day, yeah. you know, um, and obviously the values of the work were, were different to what it is now. But what happens is, I think with artists, they can't do huge bodies of work. I mean, they will not do a solo exhibition every year, for example. I mean, and to come up with a body of work it might take two or three years. And then at the end of the two or three years, you've got 10 12 paintings or 10 or 12 artworks or a project or something, right? So in the early days, in the earlier days, the work values were lower. And invariably, because they were lower, people would come in and collect the works quite easily, right? Um, and the artists were lucky. I mean, they were, they were all on sort of a, um, some of them, most of them, every two, they, they'd, they'd sell their work and then they'd have a pot of money that they would have to know how to sort of make it last, last like stretch, for like yeah. two years or whatever it is. Yeah. So that's what, I mean, you have to have to sell enough to, to be able to sustain themselves. And then in between, if they have one or two pieces or three pieces that they make, they would bring it in on consignment and then we would help them to place it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, going back to what you said, if they if they're not selling, we drop them. We we don't work like that because thankfully, the other other shows would help us to cover balance, and then of we course. balance it that way. Of okay. Course, of course. Um, and in terms of um, in terms of running a business, I mean, I think um, one of the things that, that I mean, we have to, we don't have a I mean, we have a we have a very sort of um, a small team. We don't. At which, not sort at of which point in the last, you know, since you started, did it become a real business and being cash flow positive or profitable? Did it take a number of years? Well, I think naturally with every business, yeah. but um, I think that you know, I think as long as the artists are sort of like able to sustain, which they yeah. have yeah. over the last 15, 17 years or whatever, everyone has been able to make a living and they've been able, they've done well. I mean, we've got had artists who, when they, you know, when I, they first started with me, they didn't, they were working out of a little tiny room in their, like their mother's house, you know, kind of thing, or the kitchen or something. So they and would then, approach you or you would approach yeah, yeah, them? Well, some, even, it, yeah, well, in the beginning I would approach because obviously we, we didn't, I mean, some approached us and we approach others, but those artists now have gone on to buy their own houses. So okay. it's been, it's been viable for them, you know, and okay. they've been involved. I think what it is is, you know, if, they have been able to make work um, and they've been able to evolve. Evolve is very, very important, important because what you make in day one, say you have, I don't know, eight yeah, collectors, styles. say your eight collectors like your work. Yeah. Okay, they buy. Then you f they finish, like you've sold out your eight, ten paintings or whatever. If anyone else wants to collect your work, they'll have to wait two years till you do the next body of work. And that body of work may or may not be similar to what you did two years earlier. Yeah, because right? styles should change. Yeah, they should evolve a little bit at least. Yeah. And so what happens is with each showing that they do, the prices go up a little bit, maybe 10 to 20%. And then when that body of work comes about, if it's a different style or it's a different series, then the first lot of collectors who bought in your first show... Would have made some want, money. Well, they want to buy the second... Serious because it's a little bit different to what you did in the beginning, but they've really started following you. I mean, it's like saying, 
I don't know. I mean, like, okay, so you 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 want to you, you like a particular fashion designer? Or you this like a season, band, for example. Yeah. Right? Or this season they've done this. Or yeah, band. Or, or you band, like this yeah. band? You like their music? And then the next time they do a record, yeah, you kind of like that music. You're going to follow and buy it as well. I mean, yeah. so if you're following a really an artist, a designer, or whatever, and you see how they're evolving, you wanna you wanna have a you wanna own a bit of what they're doing, right? Yeah, so yeah. if you if the artist started off here in like. 15 years ago and then two years later they're doing a different series and they've evolved a little bit the collectors who bought them initially would be interested in buying the second series and the third and the fourth and whatever but if you stop after in the second show you do something quite similar to your first showing and then your third show, you do something similar to your second and first showing. Yeah, People yeah. might collect nah, for like, you know, three shows, four shows. And then after that, they're going to say, hey, wait a minute now. Yeah, same old, same I've old. I've got like four, five, six kind of works that look fairly similar by yeah. this guy. Like, yeah. maybe it's time to stop. Yeah. Maybe it's time for me. You know, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. the evolution is ever important. So there's yes. never going to be a point where I would ever dare say to an artist, Hey, you know, uh, you you finished, you've done, you saw those eight paintings. Uh, can you do another eight uh, of the same yeah, style? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you're just going to kill the collector because they bought thinking that there are only eight pieces in there and those values are going to go up over yeah. time because the artist is never going to make those eight works again. Is the market very liquid for, for art well, in this day and age? I wouldn't say it's very liquid, but there's definitely a secondary market. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how, does, how do people transact? How do people... Um, in a way um, well it's either they do it privately to another collector or they do it through with a couple of auction houses here or internationally or they bring it back to the gallery and it's placed through the gallery so I, I mean, wouldn't say it's liquid like you can't sell it tomorrow it's, it's, not, a, it's not a stock yeah. yeah but at the same time if you buy the right artist unlike a stock yeah so what, what um, you know what no, I'll just tell you this is important the value that you pay for it today will always retain its value. That means yeah. you will never lose money on it if you buy the right artist. How do you... Okay, so, so it's like a stock, right? It's like choosing... Well, it's like a stock, Trans- but... Transmile over Public Bank, right? Transmile was a darling and then it wasn't a darling. Whereas Public Bank has always been a darling, right? So how do you know whether one is a Transmile or one is a Public Bank? Well, I think... Um, I think a lot of that has to do with um, looking at their track record and looking at how the artist has evolved over time. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's not enough to have talent. That means you might they might do something great first year, but then if they've got no commitment to it, second year you see the work is. I mean, for me, I mean, as the gallery, I think that's where we come in. We are sort of identify. They should. You should identify and know who are the people in the industry who are sort of working and making work and they're evolving and they're not sort of selling out to the market. So in the context of your gallery, mm. what kinds of styles, uh, what kind of pieces are selling well? What has got the most traction? Or I is it really the artist itself? It's definitely the artist. It's not about their, okay, so, so, their so, so style. So tell me, in the last 20 years, right, who had, I, I, I know a few, Ibrahim Hussein is one of them. Um, Latif Mohidin is another one, clearly. But these are the big, big, big names, right? So yes, I, I must be out of touch, right? So okay. tell, tell me. So well, who, said, I mean, who, who are the big guns? Well, I think, look, I think what you would, I would say is that in terms of this generation of artists, yeah. I mean, of course, I, we represent, I would be talking to you about people, artists we represent and yeah. some of the names here. I yeah. mean, obviously Latif, Mohidin and, and Ibrahim Hussein are uh, earlier generation. And they will be um, selling the six or seven figures by now. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, definitely. They should be, Yeah, you know. Um, um, but I think in this generation or for us now, I mean, I, don't, I think it would be wrong of me to start giving you names of artists. Because, I mean, it's not, for, I mean, do you know what, what I mean? Th- well, what, what, are you, what are you promoting? Because that mean, this would be fair, I, right? But to, to, talk, to tell you just who I'm promoting is also not a fair view of this of industry. Or you want me to just tell you? Tell her. Just tell her, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. No, you've well, you got to talk I about mean, the attributes, right? Well, what no, well, what do you I mean, like about them? Yeah, okay, for example. Okay, so, so one of the artists that in our state, or whom we work with, have worked with, have worked with for the last 12, 15 years or whatever, is Ivan Lam. Okay. Okay, and so Ivan Lam is truly, I think, um, able. You you would be able to see his evolution 
in his world. I mean, he's not an old artist. I mean, Arvin is only 40, how old, 44, 45, 44 years old now. And you so know, what kind of stuff does he do? Uh, he does his work is very. Um, it, he changes medium quite a bit. So he's he started off as a, using silk screen and light boxes. Like this is in the nineties. Um, then he moved on to um, very graphic kind of work, and then painting, and then resin, and then Whoa. yeah. So it's Whoa, moved. So it's become like video, and then performative. I mean, he he's his 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 his, his, his practice is has become multidisciplinary. Does that threaten his value? Because there, there is no one platform. Because you, you are known for a platform, right? No, I don't think so. Don't I think, think so? in this day and age, artists are a, a, or can or should be able to express themselves in, in any number of mediums, provided okay. they can master the medium that they're working in. I see. Do you know what I'm saying? You're not, yes, no yes, one yes, is yes. limited anymore. It's not, oh, you're just a painter, you're a painter, or you're a sculptor, you're a sculptor. No. If you can express yourself in another way but you can do it well and you can get your message across do it interesting you know so on the contrary I think it enhances the value if an artist is able to to move in different mediums so so it's like an Ivan Lam how Mm. much did he transact say 15 years ago Mm. and what does he transact for now and for what well, Are you using him as a I case mean, study I, I don't yeah, know the yeah, guy no, no, from Adam no, right? no, I will, no I'll give you an example I'll give yeah. you a case quickly we did a 20 year monograph on him okay Ivan is only 44 we did the monograph for him when he was 41 now and we did an exhibition of 20 years of his work now if an artist is not has not got a wide spectrum of work okay and they've been doing the same sort of thing for 20 years there's no way in hell you could have done a book on them correct Okay, so I will give you the book and you can look at it. And it's a yeah. monograph that shows you his development, his, his evolution as an artist. And it's phenomenal. Okay. Okay. Um, but he's, I mean, Ivan is exceptional in that sense. You know, he's a thinking artist. He's engaged. Evolving he's, all the time. All the thought. Yeah. He's thinking about the world we live in and how his work fits in to where he is as an artist. I mean, you must remember what is the role of an artist actually well, in this a, day and age. It's, a, it's a, someone who... Um, who records history, right? It's a chronology. Yeah, they, right? they, they, they are observers. They are observers and of they are recorders time, of, the, of the times. Of right? our time. So, you know, and a lot of the time, like, we, we, the time we're living in, we don't, we can't really see it for what it is. It takes maybe another, 20 years down the road, we can look back on this period and think, ah, this was, this was the period of, I don't know if I asked Trump and, or whatever, uh, right? Brexit. Yeah. I mean, all this craziness happening, like everything here, yeah, you right. know, now. But but now, this moment in time, this is what artists should be looking at and responding to. So so tell me about the values because okay, okay, so, so, okay, so the, the whole idea behind so, being a collector is that one day you can you can buy for it's like it's like buying a stock. So buying a stock for thirty cents, a pretty stock. It is your right. It you're, is like a stock. Absolutely, you're, if you invest in the right stock. Yeah, you wanna you wanna choose the right stock, right? You wanna you buy right a choose stock the right for company, thirty cents la. a share, correct? And then see it go to three hundred, right? Completely, completely. Right. So that's the idea. Absolutely. So now I see the link between sh- 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 the sh- <laughs> <laughs> So there's been a lot stock of trading like, and there is, uh, there is, I mean, I'm like the research analysts are going there uh, and talking to the company yes, owner yes, and all so that. So this diligence, is, yeah. that's my role as the art gallery. I need to go and meet the artists and understand so, where so they're I'm, coming from. So I okay. went from being a penny star <laughs> to, to being a, a main board company now. Is that right? Well, yes. So tell me, how, how do, what, what kind of... What kind of no, okay, let me show you some values. Ah. But it's hard without images, right? I mean, I should have brought a book and I could go, nah, look, this is... You know what I'm saying? I didn't bring the book. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, you can come, go and... You can look at the book with me. It's called 20. Okay, so anyhow, when I first, just for my personal experience, when we first started working with Ivan, um, I would say that a work that was around size-wise, let's talk about um, the size of this table. Okay, which is big already. Which is about what? Three feet by six by three, six, six by six three. by yeah, more more than maybe seven by three. Yeah, a bit bigger yeah. than that. Yeah. yeah, maybe eight by three. Okay, so eight eight by three like that's and it's that big time. already. Yeah, at that time, but he always used to work in big, quite in yeah. scale. Yeah, maybe would have been about twelve thousand ringgit. And oil. 
Well, at that time it would have been silk screen, but it's one off, so it's not yeah. like it's a, it's not an edition. It's an it's original work. And what kind of stuff? Po- political or yeah? Or well, I mean, it was talking. Or? It was you know, it's it's it, there's always a statement. I think in Ivan's work, there's always there's always a discussion. It's always a okay. dichotomy going on. There's always a flip. There's two sides to the coin in his work. Okay, so, so he's, he's not a surrealist in that respect. No, no, no. His work is very quite conceptual. Okay. So there's a there's a story behind it and reason for it. Ada cerita lah. Ada cerita. But at the same time, it's quite graphic and quite um, Can be disturbing? Pop, quite pop. No, not quite disturbing. Okay. Quite pop. Quite pop okay. like. Um, so, just thinking at that time, he was making. It was a, okay. I just give you an example. It was, it was a Kuan Yin. Okay. A, a pixelated yeah. image of a Kuan Yin sort of sitting. Yeah. Sitting, a sitting Bodhi Vista sort of thing, Kuan Yin. And there's okay. only, you know. Um, uh, and it's juxtaposed against a droop, like a. Like a. Okay, a, like a, I'm going to get this completely wrong. Like a drone, like a plane with a drone okay, attached okay. to it. Okay, okay. So there's always a yin and yang in there. Sort of thing, yeah. And and it's 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 pixelated because it was done with silk screen, and there's text as well. So I think that work was really sort of, yeah, talking about, I think at the time, like China and where that you know what was happening with China and the world and you know China was coming up at the time and it was in the early. This work was maybe in mid nineties. Interesting. Mid nineties, right? So that was about twelve grand. Correct, twelve thousand okay. ringgit. So today, a work in around that size would be priced at maybe hundred twenty thousand. Okay, so that's ten times it was twenty years ago, right? Well, yeah. So so that's interesting. Is that how is that? I mean, in terms of. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, I'm just, I mean, 10 times. Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's 5% a year, right? Is it, I, I is mean, that no? You, you, is you do, the, do the I, I'm not very Anyway, good something like that. I mean, we're talking about values. But it makes sense. It makes like sense. So, yeah. yeah, so, you know, I think, and the reason for that, okay, is because whenever, once Ivan is done with a particular series. He is done. He is done. There are eight pieces in there. That's it. You want to collect, you collect. Do you want to collect? It's collect. It so it's good. the classic so, scarcity value, yeah. Well, not well. The scarcity value and also <clears throat> the fact that he's moved on to the next thing. Okay, so already, okay, so um, yeah, I suppose yeah, scarcity value and um, the fact that he's you will not really see that series again. So so then, if you're an investor collector, um, how do you know? Or is it a case of, okay, I've got a water cash for my business or for my investments. I now want to put some money in a, into a diversified asset. Mm. And obviously, art has been a traditional one, right? Mm. Um, what <clears throat> dictates buying styles? What dictates buying habits? Is it because of what they just buy what they like? Or is it because, well, what because, you know. So you mean collectors? And- collectors, yeah. Or is it because what the magazines tell them or the gallery owners tell them? I think it's it's really basically I think um, for collectors depending depending on where you're coming from I mean I think diehard collectors who are buying for the love of the art yeah <clears throat> um, buy because they like where the artist is coming from they like the messaging yeah. that the artist is putting forward like the stories I mean it's all about storytelling right there yeah. should definitely yeah. be a story behind why the work, a good reason for why the work is being made different collectors yeah. have different reasons for collecting like some collectors want to collect work which is um, which is um, maybe sort of reflective of our time. So they only buy digital work, for example. Oh, really? Yeah, there are. There's some collectors like that. Um, of course, and there are other collectors who are collecting. Okay, I only want to buy social political work. Really? There is commentary about social about politics. No about, kidding. Yes, about what's happening in the, in the environment, or artists are making commentary about what's going on around them. You know, or there, then there, of course, there are artists who. I mean, collectors who want to collect um, because they see how the art, the, the how the work is um, reflecting on the life of the artist. Oh, I see. Right, like cause sometimes the so artist work are, is very. Which, so which there's so many different types of artists working out there. Everyone is responding to different areas, whether it's personal life, whether it's the ex, you know what's going on around them, whether it's commentary on politics, whether it's. I mean, there's so many areas that people draw um, ideas from. Which is the biggest genre, body of interest? Which genre, right now? Is there? Is there? A- I wouldn't say there's any particular. 
interest in a particular genre. But I mean, I think invariably, okay, look, aesthetically, it, it's art, it's visual. Okay, so aesthetically, it's got to make some sense. Okay? okay. And then, if you dig deeper, and there's a story to it, and there's depth, even better, yeah. right? I mean, then that what that's what gives it its value. That's what gives it um, its substance, the weight, right? It's not enough to just have a pretty picture, pretty picture yeah, on yeah. the wall. Who cares? So I, I know that you're an, an accidental entrepreneur, but uh, you've been at it 17 years, right? So obviously, it kind of all been a bed of roses. <laughs> Naturally, yeah. what so, is so life without challenges? What, what, what were the near-death <clears throat> misses that, that you survived for? I mean, I wouldn't, okay, I wouldn't go be as dramatic as that and say near-death, near-death, but I would say that, um, thankfully, um, the industry has matured. The Malaysian art industry has matured and it has um, developed a lot since when I, from the time I started. <clears throat> in the sense that, um, back in the day, artists and galleries, I suppose, no one really knew what their roles were, and there was now always they know sort of- buying them. Well, not they really. It was, okay, no, I'll just tell you, for example, when I first started, artists would show their works anywhere and everywhere that someone would give them a wall to hang on. Right, so everyone was showing the same artist, and all the prices were like everywhere. Yeah, there was no standardized sort of pricing. No, the artists were not advised. They were just, you know, so you could go to a gallery and buy something for three thousand, and then you could go to another place and see it for seven thousand. And I mean, there was no sort of, there, there was, was no, no sort of, no, um, yeah. sort of regul. They, they were not regulating the pricing yeah. or anything because there was no advice. So they just show wherever they could sell, they sell, they sold yeah. for whatever price. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think that that created that was really sort of very unstable, okay. And um, we were we were obviously working as a gallery at the time, right? And so one of the things that we were quite clear about, or I was quite clear about for whatever reason, I don't know where it came from, <laughs> is um, that um, whoever I sort of worked with, I wanted to make sure that. I understood, okay, whether you're showing with me or whether you're showing with two other people or whatever, you got to tell me what your pricing is so yeah. that it's standard. Consistent. Yeah, yeah. it's consistent because I, I can't have people collecting from me and then seeing it priced half price somewhere else or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, and then the love artists were also at that time because maybe the times were different as well. Yeah. They were just sort of selling wherever. So if collected, see you were selling at the gallery for 5,000 ringgit at the time, buy right if a collector wants to churi churi masok and go and buy backside from your gallery from your, from your studio <laughs> you better sell for 5,000 yeah. don't come and sell for half price or yeah. 3,000 or something don't kill don't, yourself, and don't kill yourself. Yeah. but at the time everyone was just I suppose it was a sign of the time people were just desperate to sell whatever they could sell whatever price yeah. but thankfully that was then it's changed Things now. have changed yeah. because I think the, the the industry has matured. There's a lot more interest. People, collectors are willing to pay more for the work because the artists are more um, serious about representation. The galleries have, there's a gallery system, there's a representation system. People aren't just jumping around showing wherever. Yeah. And galleries have stopped representing artists who want to show at six places. Yeah. You want to represent yourself? Please represent yourself. Yeah. Galleries, serious galleries will not represent you. Okay, so knowing what you know now, mm. 17 years into the game, um, okay, what are the three or four things you would like to impart to the young gallery owner or to the young... Collector. Entrepreneur. Oh, yeah, entrepreneur. Okay. To the young female entrepreneur. <laughs> no, stop, can you not stop using this gender business, please? Good, I'm glad you said that. No, it's I think not about that, it's definitely... Gender thing, exactly, but, so yeah. stop. Good. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because yes. there's, there's all this huge women's movement. It's just movement. entrepreneur. Forget about female or male. Good. Okay, just I'm glad at least you are one of the few people that are, are not fixated. All this gender diversity things bullshit, man. You know what I mean? Exactly. Just it's, it's if you bothers. just if you believe if you, in what you yes. do, just go for it. Okay. Yes. Okay. And um, stick by that. But I suppose um, number one, we say four. There are quite a few. You know, number. Yeah. Let's let me think. Number just one. What reel them all off. I would say perhaps um, have conviction in what you're doing and what you're selling and what you're promoting because you've got to stand by 
what your I mean from you know what you what you are pushing out there. Yeah. Okay. In my inst- in this instance for us, it's like I have complete conviction in the artists that I work with and I've been yeah. promoting and. How do I have the conviction? I collect the work myself. I'm not going to tell you to yeah. go and buy something and I'm like, oh, I won't touch it yeah. with a barge pole. You know, I mean, yeah. it doesn't work that Don't way. Don't be like Goldman Sachs, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so back the horse you're pushing. Yeah, number absolutely. Two. Number one, that's oh. that's not, that's very clear because that's what's going to push you, you know, for, push you forward. Right? Okay. Um, number two, um, I think work with. Um, what with people who are on the same page as you, like who want the same things, who yeah. believe in the same things, right? I mean, in terms of professionalism, in terms of the way they want, you know, what what are the things they want to achieve, that sort of thing. And everyone, I think everyone, because everyone has a role to play, yeah. right? So in for us, I work with artists whom I know are committed to their work. Right, so I don't go and tell them how to do their business or how to make their paintings or their works or their art, and they don't come and tell me how to run my gallery. Okay. 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 So really, work, work, with, with, work with people, work professional people who are all in the same. You know, you're on the same page. You know, who, everyone has a role to play. Yeah. Um, number three. Um, God, something just came to my mind. Now it's gone. Really, <laughs> a lot of things. Let me tell you. Um, comfort zone okay get out of the minute everything gets too easy start thinking about where you're going with it so you're thinking like an artist again because you don't want to be producing the same series of exactly so when I started my gallery yeah we were sticking paintings on the wall and selling them that's what we were doing but from there we went on to we started publishing art books and catalogs for, and for artists, commissioning people to write for them, hiring curators to curate the shows. So today, I think we are probably the largest um, publisher of art books. And we've got over 100, 100 titles yeah. to our name. And because over the years, I mean, yeah. we didn't think anything of it, but over the years, it's just accumulated. Then and, so you can it's, it's a revenue it. stream as well, yeah? Well, I wouldn't say that the printing is a revenue stream, but I think more than anything else, that it's good for the Malaysian art scene because at least there's some reference point, there are some re- reference points, right. like books and things that you can refer to. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, Evolve so, or perish? Yeah, well, that the books, and then we yeah. we went, we took, we were the first gallery to take Malaysian art into an international arena because that was something that we really wanted to do. Okay, so and because we believed enough in our artists, we pushed them forward to the international art fairs, New York, Hong Kong, Indonesia, China, Seoul, Korea, whatever. I mean, we've just taken the artists everywhere. So always evolve. Always evolve. Always look for the just push forward. Don't sort of rest in your laurels. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is just easy. I'm just going to do it because. It's like yeah, the pool move my cheese, you know. Yeah, yeah. All yeah, of that. Yeah, so, yeah. keep moving, moving, yeah. and keep on and moving, get, and getting excited by what you do. Wake up in the morning excited, like yeah. you know, like, hey, what's next? You know, not, oh God, I can't <laughs> got to do it again. You know that kind of thing. Is there a number four? Is there a number four? I'm sure there is, but yeah, I'm just the green tea sort of. <laughs> <laughs> getting on. Should have been like, a whiskey, right? <laughs> no, there are definitely there's definitely more, but anyway, let's yeah. Yeah. For, for, so, for now, so, so, if you had to live your life all over again, would you do anything different? Would you do anything different in terms of the gallery? I mean, no, I don't think I would. Yeah. Because I think you know, I think you just have to. Um, I, I, it's been a very interesting journey. I can't no deny question. that. I cannot it deny been, that. It must be so creatively fulfilling it, for you. Completely, and also it's been a huge learning curve. There've been challenges. There've been pitfalls along the way. I've been disappointed by people. I've been shortchanged. I've been, you know. But at the same time, I've been inspired. I've met so many amazing people. You know, a lot of my close friends are people who started off because of my gallery. Through the gallery, I've met all these really interesting individuals from across, from around. So, so your buddies are mainly the are the art, the creators themselves, or the investors. Oh, everyone, everybody. Yeah. It's just incredible. It's I mean, like we've a had n- a network of friends around the world through the art world, through my through the running this this gallery. It's just it's been incredible, you know. Um, oh, fourth 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 piece of advice just came to my mind, is, um, if you want to do something, which no one is when go somewhere. If you want to go somewhere where no one has ever gone, yeah. Right. If you have enough sort of like, um, what is it called? Belief. Belief. 
just go for it. Yeah. Doesn't work out, it doesn't matter, but at least you tried. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the worst answer you can ever get, I keep, and I always say this, and this is actually came from my godbrother Han. I don't know if you know Han. Um, Solo? He said, <laughs> can be if you like, um, was, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. The worst yeah. answer you can get is a no. Or just don't be afraid, period. Yeah. Just do it. Be fearless. Yeah. You Go have nothing forth. to fear but fear itself. Yeah. That's what Asterix said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I know. Not that I mean, it really resonated at that point in time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so no, I, I mean, yeah, so I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything. And this, there's, the journey continues. The journey continues because you're still a young lass. The journey continues. I wouldn't say yeah. I'm a young lass, no. But um, energy levels are still, we have to keep going for it. As long mm. as I've got the energy levels, I will keep pushing forward. Fascinating. Thank you very much, my dear. Thank you, Trump. It was a complete and utter <laughs> pleasure. An honour and a privilege, as Thank they say. Thank you for say. having me. Thank you for having me. <laughs>